Episode of Lest We Forget, a historical podcast by Tenement Yard Media. Zine, um, yeah, welcome. Um, before we even jump in the episode, let me just say this: um, Tenement Yard Media is a Jamaica Jamaican centered organization, primarily because everyone who's a part of the podcast, who's a part of the company, really, are Jamaicans, right? So, yeah, <laughs> right. So because of that, you don't know, majority of the things that we, we majority of the stories that let's you forget cover is about Jamaica past. But still, we we do work a look. We are regionalists, basically, right? So we do believe that for Jamaica to develop, the region has to develop. They go hand in hand. You understand? Jamaica is not an isolated country that exists in the Caribbean. We all, you know, depending on each other. And because of that, um, we also want to share um, historical events of the other countries that exist in the space. You understand? Because even though Jamaica history is not being told or being put on a global forefront, Caribbean history itself is not being put on um, a global forefront. It's not being analyze as it should it's anything analyze because that's what i'm saying that's not the word it's not being um appreciated at a global stage when it comes to black history you understand yeah so yeah we try our best once per season is me for talk about the other um countries and their history no let me get let's get it straight i'm gonna say once a season because that's all we can afford as soon as we get some funding, some sponsorship, some donation, <laughs> we can't talk about the other countries and we can do some more um twice per season. Th- thrice? Thrice? Thrice per season. So yeah. So last season we did Trinidad nineteen ninety coop. Um hmm? all right, you may say. Alright, okay. If them never want to pronounce the P, the world wouldn't spell with a P. Understand? Like you know what? Before I will not spend my time talking about how stupid English is. <laughs> oh move. Who oh, move. Couple of them ears. Uh but separate from that, right? Um yeah, we talk about the the, the coup of nineteen ninety in Trinidad. And then the episode they listen to now, this episode we're going to dig deeper um into the eighteen fifty eight riots that took place in on the island of Antigua, right? No, um this was a very unique um story to tell because majority of the stories that we cover unless you forget are things that we who work with the podcast know like we know the stories and we're like yo we feel like more people need for need to know about this because this affects us in 2020 this is gonna affect us in 2025 you understand like we 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 know this event we never know about like we are doing our our we are doing something for um research for uh, another project that we're working on. And we woke up on this one piece of newspaper. And we're like, huh? What? 
the man never tell me this and it was so it was so bizarre because women led this women were instrumental in this and when it comes to caribbean history especially um pre 1900s um caribbean history the one of the only women you hear about is is in a jamaica context i can't talk about the other islands and their history uh and their or their educational um history is being taught um one of the only women i hear about is is nanny and that's in a Caribbean context, you know. Like we know about Nani, you know, she's a national hero. She celebrated. She symbolizes the fight that the Maroons had to had to, had to undertake. So for book upon this and realize that there was a whole riot that happened in Antigua where women were on the backbone. Me, I say what? What woman? Oh, they have beat man. And nobody never tell me. <laughs> nobody never tell me this. So it was, it was, it was something. And then I had to actually went. Um, two of us, um, were part of the podcast went and we we're like, yo, we're gonna ask so, so I went to my classmate who I go to school with, and I'm Gen Z, right? So, um, persons who I go to school with, ninety eight, ninety nine, two they were born in and i like yo we can't tell them about the, about the 1858 riots because i personally never knew i never i never planned for this to be a podcast i just never knew about it and um i wanted to learn more when i went and asked they were like yo we never learned this in school nobody never tell you this we don't know about this and i'm like yo go to the group chat guys podcast idea <laughs> I would just started the research and we hope that in the same way we appreciate these women um you the listener can appreciate and and tell this story we are really hoping that this is your most listened episode because these women yo like wait until you hear the story just wait until you hear the story guys listen listen you understand me need them if we start talk right so we're just gonna jump into the episode straight away but before i do that i want to speak about the um the sources that we use um if you guys so if anybody wants to like learn more about the events you don't know you know where to get them get them so um or primary source primary source we use is troubling freedom and teeth and the aftermath of british emancipation by dr natasha lightfoot we'll soon get into her by the end of the episode but big up Dr. Life with anyway should um if you're not a heavy reader, not like a book reader, and what a shorter version of the events, she also did a um academic paper on it. Their coats were tied up like men, women rebels in Antigua's 1858 uprising. Um we also use a publication in the Smith Smith Smithsonian magazine called Antigua's Disputed Slave Conspiracy of 1736. Um, there was a p- like two lines we took, but we still have to reference it. Um, from Jamaica, King Cards, a small place, and we also use the history of Antigua, the unsuspected Isle by Brian Died. Um, so yeah, those were the sources. Um, one of these sources we soon get into, like uh, closer to the end of the episode. But yeah, we're just gonna jump in in another episode and tell the story. No, before we do that, I don't know. We love our long, we love our backstory on the podcast if you're a first time listener welcome but you just have to get into the talkings you understand i've just get used to it um so we're gonna go into the history of antigua and barbuda right and we're going to look at them not as not as countries because they are yeah we're going to look at them in the context of two different entities and not necessarily just one country because during that time it was really seen as two different entities i was soon going to get into the reasons as to why that exists why why that where that framework exists right so um yeah 
<laughs> so we're going to jump into the history of Antigua. So Antigua was discovered and it, um by the Caribs, you know, um freezing off the Bering Strait. I will know story them come across blah blah blah, and they settled in Antigua, right? Um, if you are a non-West Indian, the Caribs were Amerindians who settled in the Lesser Antilles, um, and the Tainos. Is that Tainos? Ta- Listen, you got primary school and learn Tainos. We reach high school until me Tainos. Listen, T A I N O S. Those people. Right, um, they inhabited the Greater Antilles. Right, if you know what is the Greater Antilles and this Antilles, Google, and uh, literally, <laughs> right, um, and then around fourteen ninety three, you know the old thief, um, Christopher Columbus, him come, um, yeah, orchestrate the genocide, um, but he was also responsible for a name in the island. So, um, Antigua is named after the Church of Santa Maria della Antigua. Right in Sev- Sevilla, Spain. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm pronouncing it. <laughs> and um, up until 1632, it was colonized by the Spanish, and then the British came, and the war broke out, and they gained ownership of the of the country. Um, to be note, in 1666, the island was also raided by the French, right? Um, unsuccessfully. So yeah, that was Antigua. Now Barbuda have a different history, right? Um, Barbuda was actually colonized in 1678, right, by the English, right? So almost 40 years after colonizing Antigua, and the British crown granted the island to the Congington family in 1685. Now, if you are Bayesian listening to this or you know Bayesian history, the same Congington family who is known in Barbados is the same Congington family, right? And um, that was basically the framework. So, maybe if I forget into the Congington, should I? So, Barbuda have... So, that, that was Barbuda thing, right? But this is the thing with Barbuda. Bar- Antigua first started growing tobacco, right? But then, as to the lesser end of the 1600s, when they know sugar cane became like gold, um... They, they switch over to the planting of sugarcane. So that was what Antigua was, one big sugar plantation, right? Barbuda, on the other hand, didn't have the topography to support plantation agriculture. Like they, that, that, it just couldn't work. So what Bar- Barbuda economy had like a... Had like a... Um, it was more... It was more like a... Where word? Where you call that? It was more like an escape, like a vacation spot for the rich. Understand the white people. You understand? Look at white teeth in colonizers. Them. It was for them people, right? They were the ones who were over Barbuda. Because the, the plan was to use Barbe, Bar, Barbuda as some kind of slave breeding ground, really. So the enslaved Africans would be on Barbados and they will beat them down and then send them over to Antigua. Something similar to what um, Jamaica did with the U.S. So um you had um a lot of enslaved africans who came over during the middle passage they would spend time in jamaica um i think haiti was involved like just the greater antilles right and what would happen was that they would be beaten down you know um you know uh just just have their old identities stripped from them and then they would be shipped off to the u.s you know, to work on their cotton plantation. So that was what they had planned for Barbuda 
to service and take, but they never work out like that. Like that never happened. So they basically use some kind of vacation spots. You understand? And I mean, that there was that that was how it worked out, right? And um, it was two different economy, right? And we soon get into why the economy of why I mentioned the economy of both country of both islands because it's it's really important to the story. No, um, Antigua, yes, had their own um issues and their own well, alright. So this is the thing. I hate how history starts in the Caribbean. Honestly, like I be, I believe we're great when it comes to like we have some great history historians, like literally some of the best to have ever graced the planet. But the the way we teach it, <laughs> it hurt me. <laughs> um, so when it comes to the rebellions of the Caribbean, you know, you, you know the, the famous one. You understand? You know the famous ones, the famous stuff that happened. Um. Antigua almost had some kind of something back in the 17th century. So the riots that happened in 1858 wasn't something new. You understand? It wasn't something new. They had the local sparks of riots that happened throughout the 17th century. Um, what there's a famous one about Prince Claus, it never matriculated because it depends on which historian you're talking about. But there was a rumor that went around around 1736 that um, a slave known as Prince Claus was planning a, a riot a really a massacre of three thousand eight hundred whites on the island. You understand? So, um, the Haitian Revolution before the Haitian Revolution, really, <laughs> really understand? So, um, that was what they claim he was planning on the island. You understand? And who for blame him? You understand? Any colonizers, they say they are thing, G. Understand? And um, the British learned about that um early. And they went and they break him. Breaking was a form of like, um, it was a form of 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 punishment to slaves where they kind of like put you on this wheel kind of thing and stretch out your limbs. Yeah, 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 basically. But um, yeah. So that happened in Antigua. And yeah. So so the the they they did have their 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 boats of um stuff that happened right i personally believe the british people did not exaggerate the numbers them not exaggerate the whole story because them just want to feel as if yeah typical white people but um back then well, hmm. <laughs> i'm trying to be unproblematic i swear but yeah so that cause yeah so that there was that issue so by the time emancipation came around you know they were the, the enslaved on, on the islands were very much happy you understand but this is the thing antigua is very unique in their emancipation so um if you're west indian one of the things you will learn is that um the anglo caribbean those are the countries in the caribbean that are under british the british empire gain their emancipation fully in 1830 eight and there but you had the 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 emancipation class that was signed in 1834 so you had four years of basically apprenticeship year of emancipation over those four years antigua never went through that emancipate through that um apprenticeship antigua got their emancipation fully on august 1st 1834 and i'm just going to go to Nalim and say they are the only countries in the Car- only country in the caribbean to have that they are very unique when it comes to the emancipation they never have the apprenticeship they gain it so um yeah I'm, yeah i think that's the earliest date ever so that was um until emancipation but 
similar to so much rebellion that so much stuff so much rebellions that took place around that era they weren't necessarily free you understand you still go back to the same oppressive system you understand because there was this even though slavery was abolished the slave trade was abolished the system of slavery still existed in the anglophone caribbean you understand after emancipation because there was like they never want black people for it no way so the black people had to re- return to the plantation they still had to farm the plantation and they were getting like small amount of money to live on and then you have the whole slippery slope that came out of that you know colonization and its and its and its impact on our urban planning today the way we see ourselves today um yeah right so um a lot of things happen around that time like a lot of things happen around that time so you had um the haiti a haiti no haiti had the eight well, we're hating at the current context in this because Haiti was an independent independent country. So Haiti is not the current context. But um Jamaica had their 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 reckoning understand about what it means to be emancipated during um eighteen sixty five, the Morant Bay Rebellion. Um so Jamaica had that 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 period around there. And Antigua had theirs in 1858. So this is where we are now. So this is where we are. So we reach a story. You understand? Because I'm saying before, them tell people they're emancipated, but there was nothing that the system didn't wasn't set up for them to thrive in. You get me a try for say? Like it wasn't set up for them to thrive in. So there was no hospital, there was no, no sorry, healthcare, education, access to jobs, accesses. Like no, they, them still like get oppressed in their own country. You understand? Yeah, I understand. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> we're still oppressed. So people have vengeance on them art, and the vengeance are, are boil up from 1834 in Antigua. Like, it a boil up. So imagine 1858, vengeance. So you don't know any local incident to kick off a whole storm. Now, around that time, Barbuda had around um 500 black persons on their island, right? And they were really just like servants to the Kanjintan and their families, like close family. And in comparison to Antigua population, which had 37,000 um, descendants of enslaved um, Africans on their island and about 3,000 whites around that time, right? So, yeah. That was basically what was happening. So I just wanted to understand the makeup and the whole idea for the both islands set up. And then understand myself before, Antigua was sugar planting, was a sugar plantation basically. And Barbuda was like this summer house for the 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 the, 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 the white colonizers. So I get into the riot. Which riot now? Yeah. So this is where the story goes, you know. Um and I'm reading. I'm reading, so bear with me. I promise you, somewhere it's going to be mispronounced. So, so, on Monday, 22nd of March, 1858, Henry Jarvis and Antigua Steve Doerr and Thomas Bernard, a Barbudian Steve Doerr, exchanged blows in a Portuguese rum shop in the town of St. John's. St. John's is the current capital of Antigua. The conflict arose because Bernard and his crew right, that's the, 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 the man from the Barbudan, um, were procuring more jobs than Jarvis crew in St. John's Harbor. Barnard emerged victorious from the row, 
but he enjoyed a short-lived glory because by later that evening, Jarvis, accompanied, accompanied by a group of friends, sought vengeance on Barnard as well as other known Barbudians in the area. So basically, a man started this. The subsequent uprising promote, pro, Jesus, prompted a newspaper from the neighboring island of Damanica to declare Antigua in a stage of siege. Yes. Hundreds of Antigua's black working people, men and women, took to the streets in a riot over the next several days. So, as I said before, you know, <laughs> a two man fight and that kick off a whole. That kick off a whole um a whole uprising, which is literally how majority of uprising occurred. Understand if you look at um eighteen sixty five um Morabi Rebellion, what really happened was they wrote to the Queen couple like couple months and be like, Yo, your governor where you're putting here, so now nah, do nothing, give it jobs, give it jobs, give it jobs, and she's like, Yo, you know, capitalist she is. Um work harder. <laughs> work harder and one incident just kick off the rebellion just one incident kick off the rebellion in this stage it was two men fighting you understand that kick off a whole of a whole idea and just understand where both residents of the island stand in this right I understand understanding this because i around that time you're going to have a very nationalistic view because you know people oppress people are literally oppressed understand so it went from fighting each other to legit fighting the system right so the first they first attacked the persons and property of black barbudi and town residents and then yeah and that's so for black people are fight against black people and then they realize and say wait they why we are fighting each other when two we oppress so them turn on to the white people you understand <laughs> so they had violent standoff with portuguese marindian merchants white planters and mixed race policemen Black and mixed race policemen, really. And um so by on the fourth and final day, which was the 26th of March, the, the, it lasted over a four-day period, rioters the, attacked the police station in St. John's with hopes of penetrating the arsenal of weapons therein. The uprising was finally oppressed by local volunteers and foreign militia from Guadeloupe to whom Antigua's governor appealed for aid. Understand scores of Antigua par- participants were arrested there was 115 men and 57 women eight were killed and 14 were wounded the eventual trials resulted in sentences varying from two months to three years imprisonment many punishments featured some combination of cash fines solitary confinement and hard labor as well but so that's basically an overview of the rioting but we're gonna get into the women because we're here for the women and the women contribution to the riots so again reading <clears throat> so, um, what? Wait, we never, we never read it. Wait. So, understand. I just explained to you the whole, just a smart brief summary of the riot, right? So that's basically what happened in the riot. Them loot some shop. Them loot the police. Them loot the police station. You know, burn down couple places. Great for them. Love it. The women in Antigua had a unique position because understand this, you know, um, women were severely oppressed during that still today really nothing said during that era she really oppressed today now imagine being black right and being oppressed because of your skin color being poor and being oppressed because of your um financial gains 
um, your cl- lower bottom of, of society, so you're being oppressed because of your class, and then you're a woman, so being oppressed because of your gender. And around that time, um, two genders were seen, um, you know, two genders were seen, uh, men and women. So, yeah, um, so that really caused a lot of issues when it comes to the women. All right, and understand that as as similar, well, many um caribbean countries during that time you had a lot of free villages being set up after emancipation right and these free villages did exist in antigua starting from 1834 but what happened is that the free villages were set up on just capture land squattings basically and this this it wasn't ideal to live on you understand and yeah, say so you have severe overcrowding because uh the the, con- the shoddy construction, lack of access to fresh water for, for, for working people, and that came through the 1850s. You understand you work high labor and women were the one who what to go through all of this. Plus, you know, the, the, the gender the way gender were seen that women stay home and care and it was just a lot. So understand, say so them women here fight not only because of just being oppressed, but them legit a fight because like the system never set up for them surviving as women. And during that decade, um, according to Natasha, Natasha Lifewood, Antigua's infant mortality rate um exceeded one in five of all births. You understand? So in, that 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 is a reflection. Understand? One in five. That is clearly a reflection of how bad living conditions were among black family, black poor families around that era. So it's very bad, extremely bad. So when you had these women take up arms and, and like, the man, the man them probably a fight because, or them a fight because lack of jobs and the oppression them get because descendants of the enslaved. And think a woman them a fight for love more. Them tired, right? <laughs> them tired. You understand? Them tired of everything, like, the whole system of just being a black woman in the era preceding preceding um slavery, like bro. So the women they were at the the charge. They took up arms. Like listen, so I'm going to go and read out the names of some of these women and their contribution to the riot. You understand? So I'm like this. You understand? Because in a lot of situations, women are severely left out of major historical events that happened in the Caribbean. Um, and it's so, so sad. You understand? But understand that one of the things I have come to understand is that um, back then, if a woman was documented, the way she's seen in society would be severely affected. So that really caused issues. <laughs> but I'm really happy that, yo, the, the name of these women were documented and I hope they can be honored in Antigua in their own way. Um, like I would love to be a part of that, honestly, just to honor these women for what they did. Like we love it. We love that. You understand? Another another woman. Understand? So we'll go, we'll start now. So you have Eliza Joshua. Um so during the riots, she why she assaulted Thomas Barnard, the Barbudian Stevedor. Um that's the, the same one who you know, start the whole thing. Um, whose altercations for the right that the whole of Barbudian should be beaten out of law. Um, yeah, 
so she did that um and understand you know the way they saw the barbudians that the barbudians were taking their jobs the antiguans had a very nationalistic view back then you understand um and that's really because of colonization and white people and the way they pitted black people on both islands together um the police constable hi hezekiah H e z e k i a h Kof. He called Rebecca Rebecca Gordon, a riot to detain at the police station, very violent, and alleged that she shouted to Corporal Lake that he had shot one of his countrymen, which he had no right to do. So big up Rebecca. Love love that for Rebecca. So Rebecca Gordon, big up herself, Eliza Joshua, big up on herself. Gordon was possibly referencing to the slain riot Rebecca. Adam as a countryman shot by Lake. Yeah, we know that. In addition, um, women rioters were said to have been roaming the streets during the course of the four days, exclaiming that foreigners had come to take the bread out of their mouths of the people. You understand? Um uh yeah. So there was those two women who were documented as being like they literally took part in the riot, right? Another ways in which the women were also instrumental in the riot was that when it come to the remember I tell you no, they had the court case, they them got trials and jury where which I said eventual trial resulted in sentences being from two months to three years, the women played a role in that. Then that's thank God, guess what? They were witnesses. Are you saying eyewitnesses? Guess what? You gonna lie. <laughs> them gonna lie. You understand? So and I'm reading here, um while the eighteen fifty eight uprising um unfolded spontaneously and can be characterized to a large extent as leaderless women were poised to assume crucial roles as organizers helping individual actions into a mass disturbance so um yeah so as i said before um it's a, it's a situation where if the women couldn't take part in the protest then they organize and then they make up life so if the men were being arrested, right? And him have eyewitness. The one would have said, no, he never take part in that. You understand? Him did, him did they are my house. Him did, me, me did see him, I go him yard. Me did see him X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. <laughs> so that helped people case. You understand? Um, And, and it come to organizing, there was, um, wait, there was, uh, as I said before, one eyewitness, the eyewitness that they recall at the police station, um, this is what the eyewitness said about one Friday morning. I saw Francis Gillard on Friday morning between 6 and 7 o'clock. The women had gone within the railing of the arsenal and armed themselves with club and all they could find. Love that for them. They were about 1,000 strong, mostly all women. You understand? When that crowd went down, another crowd came up, 500 or 600, headed by this woman. You understand? So, a woman... A woman led the charge. Her coat was tied up and a club stick in her hand. A double coat collected. And uh, as Natasha Lightfoot said in her book, um, a sim- similar statements were made that, yo, a lot of the organization of the riots was by women. You understand? When you see women they might come in them, with, them, with, them, with them materials, you understand? They might catch anybody, them see any white person, them see them a beat, any barbarian, them see them a beat. You understand? They tell it their coats like men, which it's that is a very problematic statement because you're really taking away the 
it's like you're taking away the femininity of these women. You understand? Their coats were tied up like men as if they're not women. Like, for a woman to... For, for a woman... A woman saying that, yo, she's oppressed, she's tired of this, and she's taking action in her own hands, that makes her less of a woman, basically. So the tied up like men... We don't like that. We don't like that. We don't like that. But <laughs> we don't like that. Not a, we never like a statement there. But you really get a picture of how hard them women are there. Like them that go really hard. Understand? Because I must say before, you just need to give one event, you know, one event for people to get to look internal at the system in which they live, live in for everything boil over. And yeah, it was great. Um, In... Natasha Lightfoot also said in her book, again reading, in the course of the uprising, Antigua women constructed a relationship of power between themselves and the primary victims, Barbudian women, through brutal violence. Violence In several in- instances, their targets were literally forced to verbalize difference to their, to their aggressors. For example, a Barbudian woman, Mary Ann Ponta, reported that on the morning of Thursday, 25th of March, a large crowd led by Antiguans, Grace George and Rebecca Hazelwood approach her at her home. They drag her into the yard, stripping her, coloring her and beating her with a stick. <laughs> a witness to this encounter, Charles Stevens reported that Mary Ann Ponton kneeled down and begged their pardon. They brought her out of the yard to the gate and made her kneel down. Some said, we will get Mary Ann to honor us. I just said before, we want to do that God. <laughs> They're tired. You understand? And anybody who they believe is the source of their oppression, they would have got to take it. As I said before, Barb, they had a very nationalistic view. And Barb, Barb, the, the way society was constructed and the way white people, you know, constructed the society in Antigua time was that Barbudians were supposed to be the enemies, right? Um, Similar episodes were recounted by the Barbudian woman, Jane Beckwith, also dragged from her home, stripped, colored, and forced to beg pardon of the Antigua woman assaulting her. Antiguan-born Francis Donawa testified that a gang of women rioters invaded her home, stripped her naked, while attacking her in the same manner because she was suspected of harboring Thomas Barnard, the aforementioned Barbudian dock worker. Clearly, the insurgents were not above extending their violence to other Antiguans, suspecting of being Barbudian sympathizers or rather traitors to the cause. Right? Uh, continue reading. Mainly women aggressors led the assaults on women victims in this way, forcing some missive utterances and a particular humiliating, humiliating, humiliating physical torture during the course of the riot. Um, Yes, I just yeah. Basically, I me mean, I don't know how to say it's more than 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 how um. I me mean, I don't know how to say it more that yo the women were taking charge like they were leading. And even though the the Antigua's the Ant- Antigua women um actions as Natasha Natasha Lightfoot said in her book took a, a a narrow almost xenophobic definition of freedom. It was freedom in their eyes. You understand. This is probably the first time in that day that as women you saw them organizing and taking matters in their own hand. You understand? And that will lead the charge to a whole generation of women leaders in the Caribbean. You understand? Like them literally tired and them say we're gonna do something about it. 
You understand? Nobody don't want to talk about we. We're going to talk about we. Nobody don't want to talk about oppression. We're going to talk about oppression. We're going to take matters in our own hands. So before there was um them, and before... I said them, like, I don't know my name. Before um, Madame Eugene, before Portia, before Mia, before um Janet, there were these women. You understand? These women... Yeah, I know I miss out for your name. I miss out for your name for a reason. I miss out for your name. So before 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 these women um head of governments um in the Caribbean existed, these women were here. You understand? They lead the charge. They lead the charge for their own freedom, even though again it existed in a xenophobic definition. So before we even close out, just just remembering the names of some of these women. Yeah, I can recall them. You understand? Just rem- just remember their names. You understand? Eliza Joshua, Eliza, sorry, Eliza Joshua. That's E L I Z A. You understand? You have Rebecca Gordon. Importantly, because she called out the police brutality. Where did that go on down? You understand? And she said, yo, the police are wicked. You understand? We see him beat the man. <laughs> you understand? We see him shot the man as she, as she bought it out. There was um Grace George and Rebecca Hazelwood who basically read the people them house and say, yo, read the woman house and read the other people house who they believe were hiding um these men who they believe to be their oppressors in their house. And most importantly, most importantly, Francis Gilliard, Gilliard, that's F-R-A-N-C-E-S, last name G-I-L-L-I-A-R-D, Francis Gilliard. She, you understand, did I lead the crowd, you understand, the Friday morning between 6 and 7 o'clock, as she, when they said her coat was tied up like men, as she didn't do that because she did I lead the charge. You understand? So, yeah, just remember those names. And I hope, I hope, I hope that these, the women who took part in their, in this, in this, right, their stories are told, you know, I teach that, yo, before, you know, before so many of the rioting that took place, I would start that took, that unfolded in the 18th century in the Anglophone Caribbean, before what happened in the 1900s and our road to independence or independence era as a region, these women, you understand? Yeah. Them took up arms. You understand them, sir? All because two men are fight over work. And these women saw the opportunity to raise alarm about their oppression. Say, yo, we can't do this no longer. Like, we cannot take this no longer. So, yeah. <laughs> That's the episode. That's the podcast. Um, Before I go, I would just like to say this as well. We actually tracked down the author, Natasha Lightfoot. And we did a short interview with her about her book, about her research. And she spread, she said a lot more about this event. Because it was a very important event that's not, like, we don't know about this. Like, why we don't know about this? You understand? So we track her down. And that interview is going to be up very soon. If you're very soon. <laughs> so, that epi- episode is soon dropped. So, just, if you're not subscribed to the podcast on any platform, subscribe. You understand? Because it's going to drop. Yeah. It's going to drop very soon. So, um, just stay tuned and follow our social media pages. Tenement Yard Media on Instagram. or Tenement Yard underscore on Twitter. And you'll see all our updates about when that episode dropped. Because it was really, really, really a riveting um, um, interview with her. You understand? We are trying to do that more. You know, have interviews with some of the researchers of this event, of these events that happened that took place in the Caribbean. So, 
Um, yeah, that's the episode. Um, hope everybody learned something. Hope everybody enjoyed something. You understand? I hope everybody remember the name of the woman they take part in this. Remember the name of the woman who took part. You understand? Remember the name of the woman. You understand? So, yeah. That's the episode. And we're going to close out with Queen Africa. Very problematic woman. Um, very. Her hatred for the queer community is so dark. <laughs> it is so dark. But um, Lioness on the Rise is um, really a perfect song for this episode. But, um, yeah. So, later again. Are you ready? Are you ready? Ooh. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Oh, oh, oh. When the roll is all I'll be standing taller to face the darkest and the hardest of times. We'll be taking care of. All the children thereof, but if it's required, we'll be on the front line.